0: This morning, we turn to the song of Simeon. And here's something that's beautiful about this song. This morning, we listen to the wisdom of an aged saint. This is a privilege this morning. We're actually gonna begin just a little bit before the song of Simeon in Luke chapter two, beginning in verse 25 this morning. Follow along with me. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to Simeon, that you carried him along and you gave him this knowledge that he would see salvation. He did. And and for the wisdom to to share with us this song, a wisdom that is born of, of a righteous, devout awaiting. Lord, I pray that Simeon this morning would be a tutor for us of preparation, of awaiting a consolation, that we would be consoled that we would be granted peace by your coming, that we would behold you, that we would enjoy you, that we would see you for who you are, and seeing you for who you are, we would respond with a therefore in lives that, that are, are lived in light of your glory, your salvation. Lord, I pray that we would see you. I pray that we would see you according to who you are, according to your word, according to your truth, And that we would be transformed by what we behold this morning. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus, your name. Amen. I think one of the most amazing things that is in this passage is a simple statement of description of Simeon. Look at it. What does it say he is? I mean, you just don't get this every day. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem. I'm cool with that. There's probably a lot of men in Jerusalem. But then we're told that this man in Jerusalem, his name was Simeon. He's probably not the only Simeon in Jerusalem. But here's the shocking thing. This man was righteous and devout. Really? Righteous and devout? There are so many reasons that should actually shock us in the account. I mean, where did Simeon come from? Weren't these dark days? Weren't these days of a silence of the Spirit, that there were no prophets among the people? But one of the things that this tells us is that the Lord tucks His saints, His people that wait upon the Lord in faith into every age and every season with the promise of His Word and a peace that comes by awaiting salvation. God tucks His people into every age, and this man has been living an age. Awaiting the coming of his salvation. But I'll tell you, that's not even the thing that strikes me the most about this man. That's shocking. He's a righteous man. Really? Can you actually, can you actually describe anyone as a righteous man? Righteous and devout. And I'm curious, what does a righteous man look like? See, I would like to be called a righteous man. That'd be neat. I mean, imagine a tombstone over my grave that says Jeremiah Fife, a righteous man. I'll tell you right now, I can't imagine it. All right, that doesn't make really much sense to me. Don't do it, family. (laughs) You know? Like it doesn't make any sense. Here's what it says. How in the world? This man was righteous and devout. And then we're told what he does. One more thing. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Friends, I think that's all that we need to know about this righteous man. I don't think that it's necessarily true that anyone would recount the great and righteous and, 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 and imminently holy deeds and the long prayers and the amount of Scripture that he's memorized and all the wonderful things that this man did. This man, I think, is in this passage called a righteous man because he waited. Now that's something I can do. <laughs> I can wait, but waiting isn't enough. What's true about Simeon, that, such that it makes actual sense that he would be called a righteous and devout man, is he waited for the consolation of Israel. He waited for that Isaiah 41 reality, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. This is the heart of faith. The sort of faith by which Abraham was also counted righteous, right? We have another man who was counted righteous. Abraham, by faith, he believed God. To believe God, to to hope in him. It's to live by a trust that the Lord has spoken, and he's going to bring peace according to his word. Just like Habakkuk. With all the enemies of the people crashing down upon the city, the Lord says the righteous will live by faith. How are you going to find a righteous man? If you're looking for deeds, you're looking for the wrong thing. The way you find a righteous man is one who waits, who waits upon the Lord who trusts in Him, who hopes in Him, who knows who their consolation is. Their consolation is not their own labor. Their consolation is the promise, the hope, the peace, the salvation that is found in our God. And it says that this righteous and devout man in verse 28, he, Simeon, took him, that is Jesus, up in his arms and blessed God and said, that's incredible. I mean, see what the text is saying. I know you know it. Many of you know this story. You're familiar with it. And even if you're not terribly familiar with it, it's easy to visualize some dude, righteous, really faith filled, in a temple or in, a, in, a, in, in Jerusalem picking up a baby. But that's not what's going on here, people. I mean, that, yeah, that happened. But here is a man who has waited so that he is called a righteous man for salvation to appear, to be the comforter of his people. And then he picks up a baby who is that consolation. This morning's Advent focus is is love. Here we are on this fourth Advent candle. This is a moment of an intimate intermingling of love and devotion and faith and worship. Simeon, who is righteous and devout, takes up the very love of God in his arms and worships. Imagine picking up love. Babies aren't love, they're wrinkles and lots of skin and flesh. But this baby is more than skin and wrinkles and flesh. This baby is love and salvation present. He is this man and his people's comfort, their consolation. You've waited a lifetime for consolation. And now you hold him in your arms. How many times has Simeon recounted God's word? Isaiah 9, 6, 4. Unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he's holding this baby. And he's like, this, the government, the the rule, the righteous reign will be on this child's shoulders and he holds him, and he knows this one is my wonderful counselor. This one is my mighty God, is, not will be, not will grow up and discover, not will do something that makes him quite amazing, but rather he is everlasting father. He is prince of peace. He's consolation for Simeon. This tells us something about Simeon, doesn't it? It tells us this, Simeon is a righteous and devout man, but this tells us something even more about our God and about his Christ. Something that we would not know without an episode like this. The word is made flesh. That that word through whom all things were made. What, What is Simeon holding? That Word by which he was made, without whom was not anything made. That life in which is life, the life which is the light of men, that light which signs in the darkness and will not be overcome. That's what Simeon holds on that day. And it is this word, made flesh, which is held in the arms of an aged saint who's been waiting on what? that word, to be made flesh and be his consolation. There's a carol. You might be familiar with it. What child is this? What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? This leads us to ask, what God is this? This Christ, the king, who is taken up into the arms of his own redeemed saint. This Man is a redeemed saint, a righteous and devout man because of the God who consoles him and he holds him. Who is this God who who does this sort of upside down thing called the incarnation? Up to this point, Jesus is, is Simeon's salvation. This is the whole point of, of the passage. Simeon, Jesus is Simeon's salvation. Jesus, whom Simeon holds, is his redeemer. Jesus is Simeon's maker. Jesus is Simeon's light and glory. That's what he sings in his song. And the business of those who are redeemed by this Christ is to take Jesus up into their arms. Stay with me. It wasn't just the business of Simeon. Simeon, an aged saint, that we ought to honor, you and I ought to respect, that we ought to aspire perhaps to be like, takes up the Christ in an intimate embrace. That is a glorious mystery to be followed by example. We who have been so loved, so rescued, so kept by the powerful right hand in our God, take up our God to hold him close to our chest in a loving devotion. This is the kind of loving intimacy that is made available by drawing near to our God. It's more than a metaphor. It is something that is in the incarnation made appropriate desirous for redeemed people it's striking to me that up to this point in the narrative Jesus has done nothing by himself except come the angels announced his birth Mary labored at his birth she and her husband Joseph swallowed him they comforted him he was carried into Jerusalem now we know that'll happen again right he was carried into Jerusalem by his parents Imagine the Lord of all things carried into his chosen city by parents. And now he's taken in the arms of an aged saint. That is made possible by the incarnation. Jesus in the flesh held by his redeemed. Friends, do we understand in the incarnation that this, the incarnation is not just something that God did to do something. And then it's kind of done. You know, you got the incarnation because you had to have the cross. You can't have the cross without a body. And so Jesus had to take on flesh. Why didn't he just show up in the flesh in some body that could be crucified a couple days later? Now, the incarnation is part of the design of God for eternal history. Because when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he takes up that flesh again a redeemed flesh that we also would be like him, and he's sitting on the throne of heaven. When we studied our time through Hebrews, it was one of the things that was most shocking to me is Hebrews so clearly holds out to us the reality that there is a man with flesh on the throne of heaven who is the God man. He is the incarnate God who reigns forever, and our eyes will see that God. We'll see him. And I just, man, if a wise, aged saint wanted to take up Jesus and hold him, man, when we see him, will we not want to touch him? Not like, are you real? Like Thomas sort of touched. We will want to hold him and be held by him. And here's the thing, we can. The incarnation tells us God with us, really with us, our judge drawn near to be our salvation. Can we believe that? I'll tell you, I'm not used to thinking like that. I love thinking about the infinite glory of God. Is this not all the more intimate, infinitely glorious that the infinite glory God would draw so close to an aged saint in Jerusalem? There's a, a song, it's one of my favorites, I've quoted. I think this is the most quoted psalm at Crosspoint Ghost over these 10 years. It's a, a song called Entitlement by Beautiful Eulogy, and it goes like this. We spend a lifetime trying to find love in anything and everything that life has to offer. It's true. And oftentimes we trade the temporal satisfaction for the things that the genuine believer is entitled to. I'm convinced that it's because they don't understand that there exists an order of benefits of redemption that's applied to his bride. There is an order of benefits of redemption that the Lord has applied to us, that we are entitled to. We hold a title, an inheritance, a surety that is ours in Christ. And on this day, Simeon takes hold of the greatest benefit of Emmanuel. He touches him. He holds him. He experiences an intimacy with the God-man. Friends, this is for us. There's no great blessing that he would give to one of his saints that he would withhold to all the rest of his redeemed, but in the incarnation, he comes to us, church. God with us. What does Simeon have that the genuine believer is not entitled to? God with us. Man, I'm not ready for Christmas i got too much to do this week and it has nothing to do with gifts. I'm not ready for that. Of preparation that I have to make to be ready to worship on Christmas morning. This morning, we haven't even looked at the song yet and the song's amazing. There are two things that I want for us to look at in the song, two things that the genuine believer is entitled to that Simeon takes hold of. And the first is this the genuine believer in Jesus Christ is entitled to depart in peace. You and I, not just Simeon, you and I are entitled to depart in peace by gift. It's, a, it's an entitlement by grace before you say, Yes, yeah, my right. Yeah, it's my right in Christ by faith alone. To depart in peace is the heart of God's consolation in this life. Verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant. Depart in peace, according to your word. I love the way that's said, right? It's clear, Simeon wants to depart, but he can't depart in peace. He hasn't seen Jesus. You see, apart from beholding the Christ, you can't depart in peace. Besides taking up the Christ, holding him particularly with the clear faith of one who awaited the consolation of Israel. Apart from taking up the Christ, he can't depart. But he's been longing to. Simeon is God's servant. And he longs to depart and be in his household. Simeon is God's servant along dozens of servants that are mentioned in the New Testament. You see, now let your servant depart in peace. Listen to this list of servants, the humble estate of the servant Mary, right? Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church. Apollos and Paul, servants. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Tychicus, our beloved brother and fellow minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Moses, faithful in all God's house. As a servant, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean Peter, a servant of Jesus Christ. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ to his servant John. We are servants in the household of God who get to see him and then enter into the intimacy not only of a servant, but of a, a son. A daughter, one who is behold and close, brought near, and then a bride, the greatest intimacy to experience a genuine union together as one church, this bride of christ's and friends, whether it's a servant, a child, or a bride, the greatest intimacy of any of these, the greatest fellowship that we would have is to enter into his household. And that's Simeon's longing. He wants to be home. He's not home here. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be home here anymore. You remember in the entitlement issues of, of beautiful eulogy? We trade the, these temporal satisfactions for the things that the genuine believer is entitled to, and Simeon says, no, I don't want any more temporal satisfactions. I've got like 100 years of those done with it i want to go home and now i've seen him and i'm going to be with him forever he wants to be a servant in his household but he enters as a child and a bride with his church of course the greatest servant of all time with whom we have intimacy and fellowship is the suffering servant jesus christ he has an intimacy with us even by becoming a servant with us in the household of God. A servant of the Lord is only home in the house, Simeon. He's in the temple on the day, awaiting the consolation of the Lord. Why is he in the temple? Because he wants to be near the house of God, much like David, who just longs to spend his days in the house of God. He's awaiting the consolation of Israel, the consolation, the comfort that comes by the presence of the Lord. He longs to enter that eternal house. Do you long to enter that eternal house? See, all the servants of the Lord will depart, all of them. And the Lord promises peace to every one of his servants. I would offer three scriptures to you, three scriptures that might serve you in meditation, that you might be loosed from the temporal satisfactions of this world, particularly in this season of gluttony, right? that we might be released from temporal satisfactions and begin to hold to our peace. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what it is to have peace with God by faith? Isaiah 26.3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. It's not about the person. It's not about the the great degree of their faith and trust. It has to do with the trustworthiness of the object of their faith. And they're in peace because they know he's immovable. He is powerful. He is the Lord God, the maker of all things, who keeps me. That's peace. And then John 14, 27 Jesus himself says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is the promise for us, we who have been given that comforter, the Holy Spirit to tutor us in the comfort that we have in the presence of our God. Go and and spend time in these realities. These are true. These are what are entitled to you, By faith, for you to take hold of, it's yours. Take him up. Become intimately acquainted with the peace that is yours in Christ. And all of this is according to your word. Now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. Let's consider the word of the Lord which strengthens us to serve the Lord in this life that that we can remain. Simeon didn't skip any steps. He remained and he waited upon the consolation of the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 15 gives us a, a glimpse of what it looks like to, to do this labor of waiting. First Corinthians 15 beginning at verse 53. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? That which is death is about to be defeated. The the perishing, the mortality of death is no more. Whatever it is that is about death, that makes it a a perishing reality, passing away reality, is gone. According to the word of the Lord and the good news of his gospel, we have a hope of an imperishable body and immortality. That's good news. If you're paying any attention to what's going on to you and your body in this life, It's good news. There is imperishable. There is immortality. And 1 Corinthians goes on and it tells us what's that supposed to do for us? What's the result of a reflection, a preparation, a consolation in the reality of a hope of immortality? Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. There's a lot of weightlifting that's happening in my house. I think it's a a teenager thing. There's a lot of weightlifting. I know when I was a teenager, I did weightlifting on into college. And and here's the thing, that the the, the older you get, the the more that you realize that that actually weightlifting is sort of a a win-lose scenario. You might put on a little bit of bulk but you also might throw out your neck, right? You, you, might, you might be able to stand up stronger until you throw out your back. You see, there, there's, a, there's like a, I, I can lean into the hope that is found by strengthening my body, but it also might be the very thing by which my body curls up, shrivels up, and perishes, all right? But that's not the way it works with the hope that we have that is in our Christ. Therefore, be steadfast and immovable because our labor is not in vain, it's secure. I can labor to lift that weight. I can labor to put on that bulk or strengthen some tendons and joints, but it might be in vain, it might just break, it might not work. But we have a labor that is in the hope that we have of consolation, to be comforted. It's not in vain. It actually works. It produces fruit and freedom and, and rests on peace. Here's the fact of the matter. The death of death strengthens us to serve in this life. The death of death strengthens us to serve, to be steadfast and to be immovable. Day after day and year after year, Simeon's life moved on What sustained him for his many years? He probably had at least double what I got. And I'm like, done. I'm kind of tired of it. I do not feel in here steadfast or immovable. I feel burnt out and exhausted. Do you? Do you ever have a moment like that? He remained double me. And he continued to wait. What sustained him? How did he walk in righteous devotion all of those years? How is he steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the word of the Lord? The hope of salvation moved Simeon. It was better than weightlifting. It was better than stretching. It was better than good diet and exercise. His hope was in the Lord, and his confidence was that he would be able to depart this life in peace. Friends, that's not Simeon's promise alone. That is what you are entitled to if you are in Christ. How, how we cling to the ways of the things of this world. What blessings and peace will be relieved, what will we experience when we are relieved of a grasp of the things of this world. We trade the, the temporal satisfactions for the things that the genuine believer is entitled to. We lay down the things of this world and we take up Christ and the hope that we have in him. When we see Jesus, our salvation, we experience an intimacy and a fellowship with him because he is our peace. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah continues, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord is an everlasting Friends, that is the first thing that Simeon takes hold of. And I'm I'm envious, I'm jealous of this old man in Jerusalem. I want to be like him. I want to have what he has. And he has the hope of departing in peace. And he also has the joy to behold salvation. Here's the first thing that we see from from Simeon's words. "For, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples. What did he see his eyes? What did he sees? A baby. And that baby has a name, a name that is given to him by the angels and then his parents in obedience to the angel's word. He sees Jesus. You see, to see Jesus, to behold Jesus is to see salvation. Jesus is our salvation. It is not true enough for us to say, and we've pressed this point a few times in this series, it is not enough to say that Jesus has worked our salvation. See, Jesus is not just a doer, a conduit, a practical means to a salvific end, some other salvific end, like peace or rest or the death of death. Jesus is our salvation. He is the whole and completer of our salvation. To see him is to see how we are saved, how we are rescued, redeemed, forgiven, reconciled, and made whole, and the one to whom we are reconciled, redeemed, and made whole. We too, with Simeon, and through the witness of the Scriptures, are to behold our salvation. We are to see Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 18, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We, believer, are to behold Jesus. Look at Jesus. Take up Jesus. Consider the Christ. Behold salvation. If you've seen the face of Jesus, What more have you to fear? Friends, we're exhausted, tired, we're beat up. We're sinning and wandering, tied to this world, and we're afraid, filled with anxiety, often in fear. But we who behold Jesus, what do you have to be afraid of? You see, if you look at Jesus, and we're given a number of looks at Jesus, certainly this baby In Jerusalem on that day held by Simeon, this is Jesus. This is our God. But this also is our God. The height and breadth and depth, the fathom of the fullness of the glory of our God expands all the way from a baby in Jerusalem to Revelation 1. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow, like whiter than Simeon's on that day. This is the, a, a picture of eternal, aged wisdom, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire his. Feet were burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. Not the whimper of a baby, but the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven, hello, stars. That baby that Simeon held in his arms will be revealed to us as the the one who holds seven stars stars in his hand and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in full strength that's who Simeon picked up and held close and sang a song that's Simeon's salvation if you've seen Jesus what do you have to be afraid of other than Jesus This is the most frightening image I can imagine. That image of the one that Simeon held. And he's come close to us. He is that consuming fire of heaven's glory. When Simeon closes his song with the word glory, that's no small thing. Glory, a fiery glory. When I saw him, John says, continuing Revelation, I fell at his feet as though dead. He didn't say, oh, come here, come here. Just like Simeon, you come here, I'm gonna hold you. You see, there's, it's an appropriate response to take up the Lord of glory who is close and intimate. And it's appropriate response to fall on your feet as though dead. But he, that is the angel that was with John, laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Hope you're seeing this. Jesus is the light and glory of God. He is the fearsome power by which all things were made and will be judged, and he is our salvation. I misspoke. It wasn't the angel that put a hand on John, was it? It was Jesus. Jesus the fiery, glorious, aged, wise, eternal one touches John. Fear not. What do we have to be afraid of? What do we have to be afraid of when that eternal, fiery glory is our salvation? He has the keys of death and Hades and wields its power to set us free. When you behold Jesus, you see your salvation are you prepared? Are you preparing to celebrate Christmas? What are you waiting to see in this life? What consolation do you still want from this world? What binds you to this world? I remember as a kid, you could ask me that question. I could answer it really easy. I want to get married. I don't want to go anywhere. Delay that day until at least I'm married. Some I delay that day until I have kids, or I see some grandkids, or I graduate from college, or I finally get that career and get to experience a little bit of benefit from that education that I got, "What it's holding to you to this life?" For Simeon, man, I've seen it all, and all I want is consolation. All I want is the Lord of glory. All I want is to see my salvation. After the words of institution, before communion, I began to say, just a few years ago, I add this little phrase. Lord, come quickly, and I don't know if you've noticed, I tend to pause when I say it, that's not for effect. I'm sitting, I'm thinking about it. I mean it every single time. Until he comes, oh, I'm not waiting on anything. There's a lot of beautiful gifts in this world, but they're nothing, they're nothing compared to the consolation that I desire. In my best moment, on Sunday morning, when I'm presented with his body and blood that'll bring me to him. First Corinthians 13, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been known. Simeon beheld Jesus with aging eyes. He held him with aging arms. He worshiped him, as his years of righteous devotion had prepared him to do, but it was nothing like when he had new eyes. And he sees him with those new eyes, imperishable eyes, that will see him forever, made fit to behold the Lord of glory. You and I too, all who are in Christ, will together with Simeon see Christ face to face in all his glory. I think it's the point, right? Like, what's the application? What's the application for a sermon that's a reflection on beholding Jesus? I don't feel like we need to give it. But I think it's appropriate to close with a reflection on love by the Apostle John. I want you to listen to the confidence, the peace, the the hope that John expresses because of the love that is revealed in Jesus. John, who who is the the, the one whom Jesus loved, the gospel writer tells us. 1 John chapter 4, it says this. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that, hear this. This is this is the the center of this passage, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. What's going on with Simeon? He knows judgment is next, but he departs in peace because he has confidence. Because of the love of God that is at work in him, his salvation, Jesus, he has confidence for the day of judgment because As he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. It's not mushy, it's not Hallmark card-like, it's not pithy little sayings, it's Jesus, the flaming glory. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love, we love because he first loved us. The love of God made manifest to us, prepared in the presence of all peoples. The light of revelation for the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel grants to all his servants that we may depart in peace. We may have confidence for the day of judgment for my eyes have seen salvation. Let me just say this. Have you? Have you taken up the Christ by faith? Friends, there may be one Who here, who has not. Don't delay. You cannot depart in peace apart from taking up Christ by faith. He is that gift to you that you would be forgiven your sin and that on that day of judgment you would have confidence. Confidence, a forgiven saint like Simeon. Not righteous in your deeds, but declared righteous in hope. Believe today. Don't wait today. And friends, if you have already believed, behold Christ. Where else are we looking? I could tell you. We listed them. You probably named a few in the prayer of confession. Where else are we looking but to behold Christ? Take up Christ in your arms. Rejoice in your salvation who gives you peace to depart this world and come today into the arms of the Father. Heavenly Father, we rejoice in your word, your preservation. Your saints, Simeon, is a product of your grace. His righteousness is a product of your promise. Lord, would he become a tutor for us that we would be known as a product of your grace and would be Obvious, particularly to our own souls, but also to those around us, that we are those who hope in you because you are sure. And we love you. We adore you. We are devoted to the lover of our souls. Thank you, God. We pray that you would work this in us all the more, even in this final week of preparation for this day that is marked out for the celebration and remembering of your coming so that we might have Emmanuel, God, with us. Thank you, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name.